Welcome to Bigger Than The Hustle podcast, where I give you a fascinating insight into the world of real life entrepreneurs and how they live their lives outside their business. Every week, I bring you super interesting conversations about the energy, thinking, habits, mindsets, and disciplines that make them successful in their life, which in turn allows them to be successful in their business. It's powerful conversations, uplifting interviews, and a mega dose of solo inspiration from me. We dive right into what gives them the confidence to follow their own path and attempt to get unapologetically real so you can learn what it takes to show up in your life and live your truth unapologetically. Now, today we've got our second international guest. She's all the way over in Australia and I'm so thankful she made time to, to see us because obviously <laughs> it's evening there for her and it's morning for us here in the UK. Um, so if you want to understand what helps people think clearly and how to get people thinking clearly and critical thinking, whatever that means, I'm sure she'll go into <laughs> that for us. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce her. Her name is Bethan. Hi, Bethan. Hi. How Thanks for you? having me. It's exciting. <laughs> good, good. So I'm just going to hand over the mic to you. If you can uh, introduce yourself and give a short background history to yourself and then we can feed in the conversation from there. Okay, um, oh, where to start? Um, I am uh, disappointingly British, as I've been told, <laughs> although I'm an international guest. I live in Perth, Western Australia. I've lived here for 10 years, but I am originally from North Wales. Um, and uh, as you mentioned, I help people think clearly. We just had a little joke about, you know, I've got my, my banner up. It's hiding a world of mess behind it from workshops and things. Um, but yeah, I, um, my background's in education, but I've taken it out of the classroom and um, taken critical thinking to help people in their business and in their personal lives. Um, because I found the tools really helpful for making decisions, forming opinions, um, solving problems, all sorts of things. Um, and, you know, it's one of those key skills that keeps coming up on those surveys that say, you know, what you need for the workforce of 2030 or whatever. Um, so I could see the value in it. And I really, you know, love getting out and sharing these tools with people. Um, so if you think critical thinking is from philosophy, um, but you know, that's all about arguments and all the time we're having these arguments with ourselves when we're trying to decide what to do or which solution to go with. So, um, yeah, it's like super practical philosophy for all areas of life. <laughs> really interesting. You've got critical thinking and I know you work with organisations and you work with people in, in bulk. So organisations, obviously, a mass of people. Now, individually, critical thinking, how has it helped you in your life? and your day-to-day -day or your year-to-year -year activities as a, as, a, as a mom and as um, a human being to then use that experience to transmit into organisations? Um, so as a mum, the way you like, I was already kind of teaching some stuff with it, but when you're, you know, when you're pregnant and you have a new baby and everyone is giving you all the advice in the world and there's all these different philosophies of parenting and now philosophies of education now that they're a bit older, you have to make a lot of decisions and you have to back yourself in those decisions. Um, 
so that's where I found it useful, you know, just um, something like um, bandwagon effect is, you know, just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean that it's the right choice for you or, um, you know, appeal to authority fallacy um, in critical thinking is where, you know, someone's an expert and because they're an expert, you've got to listen to them and you say, well, yeah, you're an expert on that, but you're not an expert on me and my children, for example. So, um, you know, you really have to, um, get over any anxiety and lack of um, sort of self-confidence and, and just go for it. And so I could see the applications in parenting and then going out into business and speaking to more people in different worlds, um, they'd be like, yeah, I need to be able to do that too, you know, form an opinion, make a decision, back myself and or be able to look at the evidence that's out there and reach a conclusion and stick with it essentially um so it's it's valuable in lots of different areas so being able to like pick apart an argument and it's hilarious because you can pretty much find evidence to support whatever you want to believe um but you know you need to decide for yourself what you believe is true in the world and what you believe is the right answer for you um and I, i'm a big fan of like figuring to some extent you've got to figure it out for yourself because there's experts out there on everything we're in the age of the expert but no one cares as much about your situation and your decisions and your outcomes as you do so you've got to have those skills to you know be able to find your own path in life essentially and i think something that you said was quite interesting is about shaping your own perspective and your own opinions about things um i've always found that your world or your reality is based on your perspective and your perspective is based on the environment and information coming in from the environment, right? Now, yeah. our brain obviously filters out what it needs to filter out to prove to you that certain things are true. And then when you start deciding that maybe that doesn't serve me anymore and I need to start thinking in a different way and you start picking up maybe something that's a little bit alien to, your, to the way you're thinking. So you may think that everyone is miserable in the world, okay? because that's all you see around you. And then you're like, okay, now I choose that I don't want to believe that and I want to believe that people are happy. Now, to believe that, first of all, it's hard because you've always thought people are miserable. But secondly, is that when you then decide, make a choice, just actually, I'm going to, brain, I need you to show me that this is true. Then the filters will change in your brain, won't they? to say, actually, I start seeing more happy people, just like when you bought a red car and you didn't think anyone had a red car, then suddenly all the red cars appear. They were always there. It's just your brain filtered out all this information, correct? Yeah. Moving forward from that, if you then take that logic and you say, okay, my perspective, my world is going to be based on that, how does that change when you're going from dealing with an individual person and you're obviously talking to one person to a group of people, does the dynamic change and how do you have to adapt your dynamic to sort of adapt within an organization? Um, Well, I always adapt the sessions to suit whatever context I'm in because, you know, sometimes I'll be doing like a one-to-one with someone who's retired and then the next it'll be in-house with a bunch of insurance brokers and then I'll do like a schools project. So um, the examples that I use will always be tailored to their context. and it's really interesting when people start to realize, you know, like you said, um, that's called uh, pari- pareidolia, when we spot patterns 
even when there isn't any, because our brains just desperately want to spot patterns, even from birth, spotting, uh, you know, we're designed to identify faces. And so we see faces in like a, a can of beer or um, I don't know, in the clouds or whatever it may be. Um, but when people start to realize like, oh, that's not just me, other people do that. Oh, oh really? Oh, that's interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, start to kind of appreciate that, we are more alike than most of us realize, you know, although on the outside we may look quite different, you know, um, my 96 year old next door neighbor will put on a pretty lipstick and will love it if I comment on that in the same way that, you know, if a friend of mine sees me and is like, Oh, that's a nice lipstick. Oh, thanks. It's new, you know? So age, nationality, ethnicity, culture. Yeah, there are differences, but a lot of, you know, what makes us human is actually very similar. Mm. So, um, yeah, I love when people start to click and see that in colleagues that they've known for years and have never really got on with. They're like, oh, 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 right. Oh, that's why that's happening. Or that's why you're like that. Yeah. Those little breakthroughs. You, you mentioned in your introduction that you were born in the UK and you've moved over to Australia. Was it, is it for the last 10 years you've been there? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So what, where did that thinking come from and where did that energy come from in terms of leaving the UK to go to Australia and how has your life been since being there? Um, sorry, I didn't quite catch the end of that, but was it like, what, what your prompted life the move? Since you've moved and what kind of differences have you experienced from? Oh, okay. Um, all right. Well, I guess, um, the reason that we moved out here was we were in London. I was teaching high school and I was, I was really burnt out to be honest, quite frankly. Like, um, at the time they're like, Oh, it's depression. But looking back, it was more burnout. Um, and so we thought, let's just try something completely different. And it was literally an experiment. We said, let's go for a year. Let's see if we like it. And, um, that really took the pressure off the decision. Um, and so when I'm doing my decision-making workshops, it's quite fun to kind of, test people a bit and go what if you just tried this for a week what if you just did that for an hour or um you know tiny habits and talk about like just floss one tooth and see what happens see how you feel about it so we came with the intention to come literally for one year uh, me and my now husband um and uh yeah 10 years later we're still here <laughs> i kind of joke i didn't really get what quality of life meant until we moved here um, and I think, you know, we got lucky. Um, my husband got offered a job in Perth quite quickly and we just kind of went, right, where's Perth? Looked it up on Google Maps as a very, you know, early Google Maps as it was then. Um, figured it out, saw the sunshine and the beaches and we thought, yeah, that looks fine. And there's a joke here, uh, Western Australia, so Perth, WA. WA means wait a while. It's a very much more relaxed take your time kind of thing. So when we first got here, that was quite the culture shock. Um, you know, you want a flat in London, you hop in one of those minis, I forget the name of the company, and they drive you around and they're like, boom, here's a flat, here's the paperwork, and you're in that day, essentially, the next if they're being slow. Whereas here it's like, oh yeah, no, you've got to wait at least like two weeks until this one that we're showing you will be available. Maybe wait until next month, you know, and we're like, what this is crazy but it means that you know everyone's just a bit more relaxed it's just a lot slower um so i think like melbourne and sydney tend to be a bit more like fast-paced um you know big city life but perth's very relaxed 
um, but it means that people have time for you know extracurricular activities uh, we mentioned just earlier before we came on about doing triathlon which was a big part of my life and I think that's probably one of the reasons why we've stayed so long to be honest um, you know we had friends from the UK here but the triathlon club was our place um, you know that we would see people pretty much every day either swimming cycling or running and um, met people from Perth that were very settled, their families are here and, and those people are still friends now and I'm sure will be lifelong friends for us. So that, you know, that was useful for settling in definitely and just meeting people that were here already or, or meeting people who've just moved here and having something in common and a reason to connect, um, finding our tribe, I guess. Yeah. Something that stands out quite a bit from when you, the way your face changed when you spoke about it was health and fitness and how important that's been for you um, yeah. in your uh, sort of growth as a person. Um, for anyone that's not on that journey of health and fitness, and maybe, like you said, this slowing down pace of life, I found that to be the best thing for me as a person. Um, and, and having more patience about decisions and, and, and not trying to jump in because before, the, the old version of me, the 1.0 version of me would be have an idea today and want to start tomorrow and then by the weekend there'll be a new idea and that will be finished and life just continued like that, like a roll. And what I found now mm. is that by just taking on one or two things and actually taking your time with them, enjoying them, if we have the privilege, I, you know, I, I have the privilege of time now where a lot of decisions I made 10 years ago have now come to fruition and I can really enjoy life and take mm. a step back and, and, and make decisions that serve all of us, not just me, but also mm. I know will make me happy and will make me a better person because of the decisions we make. I'm not in a mm. panic because I know sometimes when you get stressed and you're in a fear mode, you can panic just to try and get out of that situation. And that's not the best situation to be in that I found. Mm. So running i found was huge you know factor in that in terms of using that energy expressing that energy through running and coming back and it felt like my mind body connection was so much better being involved in a physical activity like that because then it mm. allowed me to think clearly have me take time out for myself and do things for myself so that i can be a better person for my kids my wife my friends my mom and dad whoever it is that's around me now, yeah. people who are not in that situation, because we're still going through, you know, a pandemic right now. Uh, we've still got mm. COVID, obviously, affecting a lot of people. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of stress. What kind of advice would you give to them to, for them to make decisions now so that the next year is serving them well? Because right now, a lot of people are panicking. Oh, gosh. Um, I think, like you said, just taking a step back is so useful. Um, Journaling was something that when I was in real burnout, that was something I remember doing a lot. Um, I do remember someone coming up to me at a tube station on a platform and I was scrawling in my book and they're like, what are you writing? And I'm like, go away, leave me alone. <laughs> but you know, that's, that's actually what prompted my fitness journey, if you like. It was, um, you know, the burnout essentially. 
and realizing I, I wasn't doing that, you know, walking um, three days, three mornings a week, I'd walk across Clapham Common to work and feel like, yes, I've done my three fitness things a week. I'm, I'm good. And it's like, no, it wasn't enough to counteract the stress that was coming at me. Um, so yeah, I, as I mentioned before, you know, just those small steps. Um, I'm really super proud of my mum during the lockdown. She's in Wales, in North Wales, and um, she's done that couch to 5k challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it wasn't fast. I don't know how pretty it was, but she did it. And I was so proud of her. And that's something that she'd been meaning to do for years. So it, it is like you said, like taking that time to look after yourself and put yourself first. Um, and I know for me now, um, you know, I don't do half Ironmans like I used to, but I still run and ride as best I can or get to the gym or whatever it is. And um, I, I can feel it. You know, I'm snapping at my kids more. I'm more stressed. I'm not dealing with things as well if I haven't done a good bit of exercise for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because, you know, you might go a couple of weeks and not exercise because, I don't know, you've got a cold or your knee hurts or whatever. But um, you you notice when you do do it again, you're suddenly like, yes, you know, I feel good again. I remember how this feels. Um, and you know, physically, ah, I can't motivate myself to exercise to look good. Like it just doesn't, like doesn't do it for me. <laughs> I, just, I can't be bothered. <laughs> but then, if we said, right, you know, do you want to? Uh, I don't know. Be part of this team, and we're going to do a five k together or something, and we're going to all try and improve our time. I'm like, yeah, you know, exercise to achieve something or to be strong, or yeah, just to cope with life. Like, yeah. It's, and it's, it's, it's so interesting useful. when you have a bigger why than the need why. So like you said, just keeping fit or eating because I want to look good for the beach in the summer. Has yeah. in, I, that's never, like yourself, it's never interested me. For me, yeah. it's like, if I'm going to go for a run and I'm going to eat well, I'm going to look after myself, it's because when I get to 106, I'm still going to be strong and I'm still going to be able, I'm still going to be happy and healthy. I don't want anyone looking after me. I want to be able and useful for the rest of my life to the end of my days. In the Western culture, there's, there seems to be a big negativity on old people um, in terms mm. of not being able, not being able to think properly, not, you know, not being useful anymore. And I mm. think the, in the Indian culture, so I'm part of the Indian culture, older people are respected a lot more for their wisdom. Mm. And even though they may not be able, they, they have a lot of hindsight and a lot of foresight to see things that mm. we don't see as younger people. And yeah. you know, they, there's a lot more respect for older people. That's why you still get families that live together where the parents and their grandparents is that when I grew up, I had my grandparents and my parents, all of us lived together. And that was normal because with an immigrant mm. culture, we all mm. cost wise, obviously there's one thing, but we, that's how we've grown up and that you know the solution was always provided by the family mm. money issues the family will sort that and you know babysitting issues the family will sort that <laughs> i got from the family will sort that you know and it was a yeah. neat structure to be a part of because you didn't need a system and you didn't need a society you had your family and now mm. that seems to be broken up more and more it's even like us we live me my wife my kids we live and then my parents live in another house, which is only down the road. But yeah, they live there. My grandma, my grandparents passed away now. But we see that we, for us, we, it's almost like we're moving into the Western way of thinking. But still, the importance of my parents and the importance of my grandparents is 
huge still. And I want that mm. still to be, you know, I know it'll be diluted as the generations get on and, you know, there's very little I can do about that. But the little things that I can do right now to, to, to instill that where we go and see my parents every week or every, you know, every time we walk past because it's only walking distance, that's mm. really important to me because mm. it's, it's just, because it, so, they've given me so much and they've given us so much as a unit, as a family. I don't want that to be gone. Now, you just mentioned your mum earlier, and that's what sort of made me think about this. <laughs> what influence has your parents had to make you the person you are today? And is there any stories that happened when you were younger that you can reflect back on that make you smile? <laughs> oh, gosh, uh, lots and lots. I mean, obviously, your parents have a huge influence on who you are. I'd say my mum's influence um, that, that crept is, um, you know, a strong sense of community. Um, she, when I was growing up, you know, was uh, involved. She was treasurer of everything, you know, the Merched um, Wild, which is like the Women's Institute in North Wales and, um, you know, school staff, uh, just all of these groups in um, the local hospice fundraising. And now as an adult, I find myself you know, I've probably got like oh, um, what we call strata manager here. So I, I look after my, there's 15 villas in where I live and most of them are quite elderly. So I kind of look after them and I'm involved with TEDx Perth. So I'm part of that team. And then this town team movement, which brings together business and community and um, local government. So a lot of things like that, I, I'm suddenly like, oh, I've become my mother. Um, and she's, you know, she's just a good person. She's such a good human being. She's, I remember her saying, you know, if you think of someone nice to do for something else, don't second guess it. Just, just do it because they will appreciate it. You know, if it's a present or do them a favor, um, because we're all the same and, and we all appreciate when someone remembers us and notices us, you know, um, and thinks, thinks what we might like or might enjoy and just, just does it, you know, without going, Oh, can I, what can I do to help? Just, I've done this to help. <laughs> um, so I'd say that's probably my mum's influence and, and um, she speaks Welsh, Welsh language. So um, there's a massive sort of sense of community in, within the Welsh community and Welsh culture as well. And then my dad, my dad was, uh, they're both pharmacists, but my dad ran the shop and I worked for my dad from the age of 13 to pretty much 18. Um, he passed away when I was 18. Um, but I learned a lot about business from my dad. Um, he was always analyzing, you know, Oh, the news agent down the road. Have you seen how he's done that? That's very clever. Oh, I like that. Or, Oh, he's doing this in his business. That's, that's rubbish. What was he thinking? Um, and he'd often point out like these businesses that were doing what seemed very illogical, ridiculous things, but they were still making money. And, um, I find that interesting today. Now I'm like, Oh, how, how do they, geez, that's, seems really bad business um but they're still doing it and they're still doing fine somehow so um yeah I learned a lot from that and then obviously um I think well, how old was he now 50 51 when he passed away and um when you lose a parent at that age it's interesting because I think you know I never really saw him you know when you get older and you go oh my parents didn't know everything they weren't always right so we we, we were getting to that you know, at 18, you're starting to see, oh, they, they are fallible and they're not perfect. Um, but he was very big on, 
you know, just try things, take opportunities. Um, he'd always coach the other sort of girls, the Saturday and the holiday girls in the shop that would come work for, it was like a seaside town. So it was very busy over the summer holidays and stuff. And he'd be like, you know, get to get yourself to university. Really education was really important. And, um, make sure you you go and you join every society and you try everything and you, you don't stick with one boy the whole way through. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I took that to heart. And uh, so when I got to university, that was always there. And, um, you know, just trying things, taking opportunities that present themselves is probably something that I got from my dad and lots of really bad dad jokes. I love dad jokes and we'll laugh at anything. And that's probably his fault too. <laughs> It's really interesting when you mentioned your dad had a business because there's certain things I can see in you which show up based on what's happened in the past. So what I mean by that is that mm -hmm. my dad had a business as well. So it almost became normal that if I want to start my own business, it was a reality. Whereas other people I know where their parents have been in public sector jobs, for example, mm. the business is so far away from their reality because they've never been a part of it. They don't, you know, it's never been in their reality. So it's a huge decision. Whereas for me, it was almost like a no brainer because most of my family had businesses. So there's a florist, you know, there's a you know, beauty, there's lots of different businesses. So it's almost like what you're getting a job. So the entrepreneur mm. is running strife. And, and like I said, your reality yeah. is based on what you see, isn't it? And if that's, yeah. all you see, that's all you know, so it's not so much of a risk. And that's why bring, doing these conversations, I wanted to bring up people um, that show that conversations are happening all the time, whether they be negative or positive, but they are happening all the time. If we can raise more of the positive conversations mm. and try and, suppress a negative conversation because then that can become our reality and then we can talk to other people in the way you and I are talking today because it, you know it can yeah. only help us as humans and as human beings to connect because in the end day irrespective of what happens to technology you know I had quite a sad fact which is even though we are very connected today probably most we've connected in humankind people still feel very disconnected um, mm. and that disconnection I think happens from comparison i think it happens from social media there's a lot of things obviously social media is good for a lot of things as a tool but where it starts you start becoming emotionally involved just like the news it can give information but as soon as emotional involvement comes in i think that's where it can fall down and it's separating yourself from that isn't it mm. now there's a really good book i'd love to recommend to anyone on. listening and to you um lost connections by johan hari uh -huh. and uh one of the quotes from that he talks about um, the difference between socializing online and in real life, it's a bit like the difference between porn and sex. Like it scratches the itch, but it's just never as satisfying. <laughs> I'm just like, yes. <laughs> it's true. We, we get, we love social media because it gives us that like, you know, little bit of connection with people, but it's just never the same as, you know, and this is pretty good. Like the, you know, one-to-ones like this on Zoom and stuff, but um, you know, it doesn't be what we need as human beings to be in the room with someone and to be sharing those real conversations. Yes. Yeah. And where we drop our mask, when we take our mask off or whatever mask it is or whatever hat we wear, like the dad hat or the, you know, the brother hat or the mom hat, and you just be, you're saying, well, this is me. These are all the downs, these are all the ups, these are all the flaws, these are all the scars, but that's, yeah. that makes me, right? 
recently, um, over the last few years, I've lost, well, I've not chosen to spend my time investing in the people around me and the relationships that have served me um, and that have nurtured me as a human being. So these are like my family, friends that have grown up with me and spent a lot of time creating the version you see here. So mm -hmm. a few weeks ago, I decided that I wanted to uh, connect with one person a week for half an hour, an hour, and we go for a walk. So I'll meet up with them and we just go for a walk. And we just have a chat and it's not nothing. There's no agenda. It's just checking mm. in with each other and rather than being a, just a message on a phone, taking that time out and go for a walk. I think when you walk, there's something that happens in your mind as well, where being outside, being in the open doors, having fresh air and just being, like you said, connecting with another person with no other mm. agenda apart from saying thank you for being in my life and thank you for coming on this journey is still being on this journey with me and Isha, mm. and for me it was just showing respect for the time they've given me all their life that i can give that back to like my uncles my cousins friends that have been around me i just want to take yeah. that time out because i find that i get it life gets busy and i get that but unless you make unless you make time time is not going to happen is it you don't mm. say i have time because you never have time for anything it's only when you choose to have time and you choose to put that at the forefront and you choose that to be important does the world yeah. open up because until then it can be a lazy excuse to say i haven't got time to do that because you ah, no, 100 percent. yeah i don't we, no one, you choose you, you're choosing not to prioritize that and and own that right yeah. <laughs> like if that's what you want to do that's what you're going to do that's cool but you've got to own your choices and saying i don't have time is bullshit like you can say it's not a priority or actually I don't want to or whatever. And that's fine. But that's, you know, own the choice, right? Now, let me do a little forward projection on you, Bethan. And now I just want you to think about this. If I could fast forward to a year's time or two years, let's say two years time. Let's, let's mm -hmm. say we're having this conversation two years time and you look back and you say, okay, Today, I'm speaking to you, and this is what's happened over the last two years. And it's like, oh my God, I did not know that was possible, that this would happen, and this is the way my life would be looking. If we could have that conversation two years' time, what do you think would be possible for you, and what do you think needs to happen for you to say, wow, that's where I want to be? Oh, wow. Are There's you going to no come and check? To it's not, it's not <laughs> limited happened. to... It's not limited to what you think is possible. It's limited to how you think. Um, anything is possible. Anything can happen. So where do you think that would lead you? Oh, look, you know, as you said, you've got to see it to be it. And I'm so blessed. I'm surrounded by people who are writing books, who are doing TED Talks, who are, um, you know, working with amazing organisations. Uh, if, I, if I manage to maintain the momentum of what I'm doing right now professionally and still somehow manage my kids and, and my husband, you know, and, and for them to be happy as well, I would be absolutely made up. Um, I, I feel so lucky to be doing what I'm doing and, um, you know, uh, it's just snowballed this, this year and ironically locked down we we're so lucky in Perth here, like lockdown was literally like a couple of months and then we slowly came out of it. But 
lockdown was a blessing to me because I was distracted doing lots of different things. Um, so I think if I can just keep, um, you know, I get to meet awesome people and uh, be inspired, then I'll be, I'll be a very happy, very happy, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, look, and maybe that will look like a book. Maybe that will look like uh, more online stuff. Maybe that will look like keynote speaking. I don't know. But I, everyone that I speak to who is doing stuff that inspires me has been welcoming and um, helpful and supportive. And, you know, there's that thing of like, you know, if anyone's – no one who's doing better than you will drag you down. Hmm. And so – you know, all these people that I see who are doing great stuff, they are just pumped for me and for other people who are just trying it out. And it's lovely. And, um, yeah, I'm very, very blessed. Um, and then, so, yeah. so I know you've brushed over that, but give me one thing, one thing that in two years' time, if it happened, it would be wow. Uh, a book. I would be amazed and impressed with myself if I managed to write a book. A few people have said to me that I should um and I'd, I'd like to but you know it's a big project <laughs> what's, what's stopping you right now right now um i'm having too much fun um <laughs> honestly too much fun and um two small children and a husband and uh wearing too many hats <laughs> yeah. so it's um it's funny yeah. writing books so i had the same dream um five years ago four years ago um, yeah. and it was festering in the back of my head and I always say when things fester and they and they're still sitting there that much time you have to do something about it so a month ago I I carved out time so I spreadsheet my day that sounds so sad but I spreadsheet my week no that's great time. yeah time yeah, blocking a gaps where I said where am I not being productive or where do I think I can fit that in so I found a space which is 5 45 to 6 45 in the morning um, mm -hmm. after I'd made lunch for me and my wife and I sit and write and that's when no one's awake that's my time I don't have to think there's no emails coming there's no text my, my, I don't switch my phone on anyway but mm -hmm. you know when you just make that time where the the like you said the journaling is a similar thing right where you just sort of dump things mm. and, and you write things on paper and, and i'm in the process of a dumping right now so i'm just i've written about seven chapters of of things and there's no real structure i don't even know what the book is about yet but it's just about my thoughts and the way i think and hopefully it will structure into something but i'm not too hung up on that right now i just want to yeah. get things down on paper and do it and it's so this is it's such a freeing experience just just dumping stuff that you've been holding and, and the ways you think and you're like and I like writing I'm more of a writer than I am a speaker I like you know the old-fashioned pen and paper get down oh, yeah rather yeah, than the yeah. typing I'm more of a pen and paper now what I'm looking for yeah. is an audio translator because I really don't want to type it up I've done like for about 10,000 words and I'm, I'm not looking forward to that typing so I might I might, oh, um, so you've got to physically go and type it all up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I might, I, might, I might get my daughter, uh, bribe her somehow. To, to, <laughs> sure, she's always looking for some kind of extra pocket money. So I'll, uh, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> okay, so, so going, going, going forward from here, you mentioned about um, gratitude in, um, when we just talked a few moments ago. 
What does that look like for you? And how, what's the importance in your life and other people who are not experiencing gratitude or are not using it to project themselves? What would you say to them? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, you can't, I don't believe you can change other people. And I can't, you know, I can say to my, my kids, like, be more grateful. <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, all the time, little things. I think probably having young kids in my life and also having some really elderly people. So my, in my community where I live, there's like uh, three, four, they're in their nineties and quite a few others that are quite old. Um, God, even, even just that, you know, having those people in my life, I feel grateful to be around them, but also I notice how grateful they are um, for, as I mentioned, like a little compliment or um, a leaf or finding a ladybird or, um, you know, that you brought the bins in for them. And then that, you know, like you were saying about, you know, little habits and things that you start to notice and then you go, oh yeah. Um, and it just puts such a good frame on things. Um, so rather than going like, oh, I, I, I have to put my kids clothes away. I'm like, well, I, I get to, and you just have to look, you know, here in Perth and also in the UK, you know, we're in such positions of privilege in the world. Um, and yeah, of course, everyone gets pissed off and everyone's got problems and there's things that you can get stressed about. But also if you just take a moment to go, you know, I've got a wonderful husband and two healthy, amazing kids. And you do not need to look very far to go, even just that, my little nuclear family, it would be so easy for that not to happen. And, and, anything could happen in the next hour to take that away. And so, um, you know, I don't want to be sitting in some car wreck somewhere going, Oh God, I wish I was nicer to, to them, you know, or I wish I'd told them that I love them or that I appreciated them. Um, so it's a habit that I, yeah. And it's funny, even now I'm like, yes, I want to go and tell them right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the more you do it, the more you notice it. I've got a journal that I do every day before I go to sleep. And um, it's just a really short uh, sentence a day. There's like three little lines and there's three years in a book and I'm on my third one. So this is like year eight or nine of doing it. And um, even just writing that down, because if you go to bed and often by the time you go to bed, you're like a bit tired, maybe a bit grumpy or you ate something that you didn't intend to or had a drink or I don't know, whatever. And then we go, oh, what have I done today? What have I actually done today? And every day I can look back and go, oh, you know, I had coffee with that person or I had a nice walk or, um, you know, I got to the beach with the kids or I hung out at the playground with a friend with the kids or I met this new person and yeah particularly since having the children every day is different i think pre them there's probably a bit more churn you know but yeah every day is different there's something magical about every single day we just have to take the time to notice it it sounds really cheesy doesn't it i love that <laughs> i love that bethany because it is real and exactly what you said there unless you focus on it it doesn't happen and then when you realize yeah. there's so many little things and it's the little things that make up the big things isn't it it's it's yeah. you know like you said the relationships the the people around you tucking your little one in before they go to sleep you know those little things is what create the great moments and if you have a foundation mm -hmm. of lots and lots of little things that create 
so much happiness. The big things are just automatic. I think the foundation of us as people and as human beings is based on all the small things. It's based on us as the strong foundation of those, which then create the big version that the world sees, but it's all based on what's happened already before and how you've been created as a person, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. but then, um, at this junction, um, we're just going to be heading over to the end of the podcast. Um, okay. A couple more questions I'd like to ask you, which let the listeners understand a little bit more about you. But at this juncture, I'd just like to say thank you as well. <laughs> You've been so open and it's been, like I said, like two friends talking. And I've always wanted it to be like that, almost like where we can open up conversations to show this is the reality for a lot of people. I know you'll have a lot of people in your life that you can speak to like this and I do as well. And if we can air some of these to show that the world is a kind and giving place, because it is. Mm. And irrespective of what the media and the news try and prove to you, I think we shouldn't let go of that human connection and trust trying to be... Absolutely. Everyone's just out there doing their best, trying their best and doing what they think is good. Geographical boundaries, irrespective of colour, creed, background, socioeconomic background, it doesn't matter because we are all Mm. one team, which is a human team irrespective of where the separation goes right so love it absolutely thank you thanks for having me <laughs> no not at all not at all so these it's are the interesting pleasure. questions now so um you're at the end of your life so we're fast forwarding 100 years and you've done all the things you you wanted to you've written tens of books um you've been a huge influence in not just organizations but in your world and the people around you and now you've reached the end of your moments where you haven't got enough energy to speak, but you've got en- enough energy to write three words. Those three words have helped you in your life and they continue to help you. And you, sh- you hope by sharing them, they'll help the people that listen to this. What would those three words be for you? Oh my God, I looked at this and I'm like, three, three is not enough. Um, I think just something very cheesy, probably like, um, you know, stay curious or maybe Bill and Ted, be excellent to each other. <laughs> and if there were but three, that's two and four. If there <laughs> were three individual words, three individual words, what would they be? Okay. Oh, man. Yeah. So uh, curiosity, love, mm, kindness, probably. Yeah. There you go. Spoken from the heart, spoken from the soul. Yeah. Now, this podcast is called Bigger Than the Hustle, and right now you're bigger than the world. So I've connected you to 7.58 billion people on this planet. They can all hear you. They can all understand you. There's no language barrier. They're all awake and they're all conscious. If I handed this over to, for the, to the mic to you for the next 30 seconds, what would your message be to the world? Look at the bigger picture. Something about look outside ourselves. Um, look at what we're doing to each other and to the world and take a step back and ask, is that really what we want to do? Um, There's, yeah, there's so many big things that we're scared of and we're worried about, but if we can just all do little things and we're all trying, you know, um, but make it a priority to do those little things that are going to, Make your world better, make someone else's world better, and you know, look after our planet. Because <laughs> that's pretty fucking important too. Um, yeah, something along those lines. <laughs> that's beautiful. Um, sadly, Shantabetha, I'd just like to thank you. Thank you again. 
um you've been a, a breath of fresh air and i love these conversations because they they light me up even though you know we talk it gives me energy and gives me spark and it gives me a, a huge amount yeah. of um energy that i can give back not just to the people that are listening but the people around me and i think that's what it can do for everyone if you really take this in so yeah. at this juncture no, thank, thank you so thank much you it's been Is really lovely like to add just before we go uh oh, oh there you go on the spot any other business um <laughs> just you know this has been a pleasure and it's always wonderful like you're saying to connect with someone the other side of the world um with very different story in life um and just be able to just chat about stuff it's really lovely and as you were saying you know it's nice when someone's open and willing to share and i'm going to take away a bit of a kick up the bum to go and write a book <laughs> and remember to go and uh, kiss my babies good night there you um, go yes that was yeah no and you know always doing these kind of chats it, it's it's that reinforcing those core messages that you want to live by and you try and live by and um to keep doing those things yeah so yeah thank okay. you so much a pleasure. No at all. thank you so much so all right just before we go this was bigger than the whole podcast i'm babik patel i'm your host and just a few thoughts to leave you with big big energy leads to big ideas big ideas lead to big thoughts big thoughts lead to big actions and big actions lead to a big life to keep being big until next week see you